the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello, it's the Nick D Podcast, as uh, the incredible Jason Skaggs just said. Jason Skaggs is my man. He does all the music themes, all that great theme, and so many other sounds and musics and craziness. My main man, Jason Skaggs. Thank you, buddy, for that. And uh, my thank you to uh, the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, everybody. Ed, everybody at RadioMisfits.com. Uh, you can check us out there. We are uh, available where every we are available on every single platform where you can find podcasts. You should subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe. Radiomisfits.com. And when you go to uh, all the platforms and uh, subscribe and stuff like that, please take the time to rate and review us. We'd love to hear your feedback. And by feedback, I would love to hear voicemails from you. Questions, comments, feedback, anything that you want to jump in, something that we talked about on any of the past podcasts that you want to bring up or comment on, any feedback, any comments, anything from you, we would love to hear. Uh, Send your voicemail. Please leave one, 773-417-6948. 773-417-6948. You can drop us an email, too, anytime you want. Any thoughts, any comments, any questions, anything. Please, we want to hear from you. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we get a lot of uh, great emails. We read them all. We listen to all the voicemails. We read uh, some of them on the podcast and play some of them back, too. So keep them coming. We love to hear from you. And, hey, speaking of which, you want to be a sponsor? Do you want to advertise on the Nick D Podcast? This is a real popular podcast. Um, And if you want to advertise and if you want to be a sponsor, you're going to reach a lot of people by doing that. So if you're interested in uh, you know buying some ads, ad time or being a sponsor or being a part of the Nick D Podcast in the world of advertising, we would love to have you on. And uh, I'm telling you, you'll reach a lot of people. So check it out. Contact us at sales at radiomisfits.com. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Be a sponsor on the podcast. It is uh, episode number 46 of the Nick D Podcast. It is a, a Friday, and every other Friday we review new movies and talk about movies in general. My buddies from the Chicago Film Critic Association, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi, we've got movies to review. Uh, the big holiday weekends are coming up, and uh, the holiday weekend is coming up next week, so some of the big summer movies are coming out right now. Uh, Baz Luhrmann's uh, biopic Elvis about Elvis Presley uh, is, uh, is out today, and so is a horror film called The Black Phone. And other things that we're going to mention as well. Um, And so that's with Eric, and that's with Steve, and that's the movies. And we'll be doing that, uh, reviewing all of that. My good friend and bestest pal, uh, Esmeralda Leon, joins me, uh, as she does on every episode. We're going to talk about some weird facts about famous characters. Famous TV, movie, book, uh, um, uh, you know, film characters, all kinds of weirdo characters that we love, or very special characters that we adore, our favorite characters ever. But there's some strange and weird facts behind those characters. We'll get into that. We also have more scary facts from the book, Are You Shitting Me? 
1,004 scary uh, uh, facts that will scare the crap out of you. We'll jump into that. And as we are winding up, I think we've only got a couple of more candies to taste test. But we've been taste testing very strange flavored candy for the last bunch of episodes. And we're finally getting down to the end of that. So we are going to taste test Brock's candy. Of course, legendary Brock's. Brock's candy's turkey dinner flavored uh, candy corn. So it's candy corn, but it's flavored like a Thanksgiving dinner. So you've got turkey, you've got coffee, you've got apple pie, you've got gravy, mashed potatoes, stuffing. All of the components that go into a Thanksgiving turkey dinner are now in the form of candy corn. We are going to taste all of that. So that's all coming up. Again, if you want to be a part of it, we would love for you to be a part of it. And you know who else is a part of it? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, Carrie. I love you, too. All right. Uh, Well, let's get to it, shall we? Uh, Let's say hello to uh, Eric and Steve. But first, I'd like to say to you, congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackal. Yes, it's movie review time. Uh, every couple of weeks, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi from the Chicago Film Critics Association uh, join me to review all the new movies, talk movies in general, and anything else that pops up. It's a pretty big weekend, uh, the getting a jump on the 4th of July holidays. Uh, so a couple of big ones came out this week, and we've got a couple of uh, streaming movies as well. And uh, we'll talk about all of that and more. Let me say hello first to uh, Eric Childress. Hello, Eric. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing just fine. All right. Tell everybody where they can uh, hear you and see you and read you and all that other stuff. Yes. Uh, look for the, at the Now Play Network. Uh, um, <laughs> what's the name of the podcast? It's called the Movie Madness Podcast. <laughs> uh, look for that there. Uh, Steve Procopi is a regular guest on that. Uh, and I also do a show called The Friendship Dilemma with Morgan Geyer. We should have some new episodes for that coming up very shortly as well. Okay. And uh, my other guest uh, every uh, couple of weeks to review movies is Steve Procopi, who uh, you can see and read and hear where, Steve? Uh, thirdcoastreview.com. Um, and then, uh, like Eric said, on his podcast. And then uh, also just kind of hanging around the bar at the Music Box. So. There you go. The Music Box Theater uh, on Southport, which uh, I spend more time uh, there than I do over the past like eight months, more, more time there than my apartment. <laughs> uh, which is fine with me because they don't show 70 millimeter movies at the apartment here. Um, the 70 millimeter Not fest yet. is about halfway through um, and it's been fantastic uh, to go there. I've been showing some really uh, amazing titles. I've seen some really cool stuff. I'm going, well, if today is Thursday, then I'm, I went last night to see brainstorm the incredibly over uh, overlooked and underseen <laughs> Douglas Trumbull film uh, brainstorm in 70. Um, and I will be going, I will be going uh, later today. In, a fa- in fact, uh, uh, just in a couple of hours, I will be at the Music Box watching Walter Hill's Geronimo uh, in 70mm, which is the movie. Um, is, it, yeah. is, it, is it wrong, Steve, that I've been most excited to see that 
of all the movies. I don't know if it's wrong. It's I, I'm not surprised, but it's not yeah. wrong. <laughs> that and Starman. I'll, I'll be there too, by the way. Well, yeah. I, in fact, we, we're going to know a lot of people there. That's yeah, no, actually. that's going to bring out all the dorks. All the dorks yeah. are coming out for that one. Um, but yeah, and Starman was last weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, first time I've ever seen it in '70, and uh, mm-hmm. I was and the print was. I don't know. It said the print. Yeah. I don't know what, uh, how that happened because it said the print was struck in 1984. How was yeah. that possible? Because it looked amazing. Steve, or, or I'm sorry, Eric, you would have shit yourself. It looked, I, <laughs> it looked, which insane. I don't like to do. Yeah. So, but uh, I would have enjoyed been worth Starman. It. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. No, it was great. Yeah. It was it was really really great to see it again. And um, God, I love that movie. Um, and God, Karen Allen, <laughs> what the fuck, Karen Allen, Jesus, she's just so amazing. Well, anyway, a lot of that stuff is still happening. You got a full week of seventy millimeter. Uh, the festival is continuing at the Music Box. Uh, Steve is the PR guy there, hangs out there, and all that cool stuff. Uh, any uh, coming up this week? I know you got Lawrence uh, of Arabia is coming up a couple times this week. You well, doing yes. two thousand one again. Yeah. No, no. Two thousand one is done. That was oh, it kind is. of the first okay. the first week highlight. Okay. Lawrence is the second week highlight. Okay. Uh, we've got a couple screenings of West Side Story, a couple screenings of Brainstorm, a couple screenings of the of the Dark Crystal, and a couple screenings of Geronimo, which, like we just said, will will be there for. But uh, concerning the Dark Crystal, we actually I, have I, a, a. By the way, I'm sorry. sorry I'm, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the fact that you didn't bother to mention fucking Flatliners. I appreciate that. <laughs> Is there? I actually wasn't sure. Oh, there are two screenings of Flatliners. Yeah, I yeah, only yeah. One. <laughs> I thought there was only one. That's why I didn't bring yeah, it up. But yeah, anyway, uh-huh. um, but anyway. So, um, the uh, speaking of Dark Crystal, we have a, a critic here in Chicago uh, named Matt Fagerholm, who is a to say he's a fan of all things Muppets and Jim Henson is an understatement. <laughs> but he actually has used this to our advantage this year, and he is friends with Frank Oz, among other people, from the old guard of Henson Productions. And yeah, yeah, yeah. he reached out He reached out to him and said, hey, just so you know, they're playing this movie, this Dark Crystal movie that, that Frank Oz co-directed um, in 70mm in Chicago. And Frank Oz said, hey, do you think they'd want, like, an introductory video? Whoa! And I can, I can nice. like, tell a couple, I can take a, I can tell a couple oh. little behind-the-scenes stories. Wow. And, so you know, we thought about it, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we said, "I guess so." I mean, we're on a kind of a tight schedule, but okay, we'll we'll try to make it work. Wow. And so uh, one of so there's two screenings of the film. One will have already happened by the time this airs, right. but on Sunday at noon, um, now you're going to be competing in the neighborhood with the Pride Parade. That so I would strongly advise taking the train in, but yeah. Um, it will. We will make it more worth your while than it already was. But wow. yeah, so there, there. I literally just received the video a couple hours ago. I'm actually going to be at the screening Thursday. I was at the screening Thursday right. night. <laughs> right. uh, so, and it's a hell of a video. No, uh, I. I um, yeah. So yes, I, I, wow. I think that's that's that, incredible. That is now in place. It that's is now incredible. in place. That's yeah. that's incredible. That's an amazing thing. Wow, uh, yeah. that's that's really really cool. Exclusive uh, welcome from Frank Oz. I just saw Frank yeah. Oz uh, uh, pick up a soiled uh, uh, condo <laughs> with his with his uh, with his pencil uh, in the Joliet mm-hmm. State Prison last week oh. at the at the mm-hmm. mega theater at the mega theater in Pickwick. I oh. went to go see the Blues Brothers on the big screen. By the way, that theater is beautiful, man. At the Pickwick, yeah. I, I had not been there since they redid it with the giant screen and the mega screen and the new seats and everything. Man, beautiful. Beautiful. Unfortunately, I was seeing Blues Brothers, which I'm not crazy about. Oh. But 
Uh, but yeah, but anyway, I got to see uh, one soiled. I got to see Frank Oz do that, which was great. Um, any chance that, you know, any chance that, did anybody ask him about working with Brando? Did that come up at all? Um, I mean, it, it, it wasn't an interview. It's no, I, okay, all right, okay. But I, um, I, I would, I would, ho- I would, I mean, you know, it's such a, a wonderful experience that he had working with Marlon Brando on that, uh, what the fuck was that called? Oh, yeah. The, uh, the score. Yeah, 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 yeah. With him and De Niro and uh, and Edward Norton. Mm-hmm. Edward Norton, uh, yeah. Where Brando refused to talk to Frank Oz and would only call him Miss Piggy when he did. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Frank Oz, great filmmaker, too, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you get to see that. That's on Sunday. You get to see that on Sunday uh-huh. uh, before the uh, Dark Crystal uh, as part of the 70 Millimeter Festival, which continues through the end of the month. All right. Um, okay. Well, why don't we start with uh, um, something that we all saw, uh, and that is, we can get this one out of the way, because it's not in theaters, it's streaming, it's on Paramount+. Plus. Um, so uh, why don't you start us off, Eric, with uh, Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe, which is the latest full-length film uh, from the world of Beavis and Butthead and Mike Judge. Yes, so it's been, my God, uh, 20, over 25 years since Beavis and Butthead Do America was in theaters, and um, not as not a lot not as long as since the last time we saw Beavis and Butthead, but uh, this movie uh, <laughs> takes place in 1998, just a couple of years uh, after the events of Do America. And at the beginning of the film, Beavis and Butthead end up basically blowing up uh, their school <laughs> science fair, uh, and they're put uh, in front of a judge and put on trial. But the judge basically takes leniency on them and puts them in a position to where they can uh, do this program at NASA and hopefully learn uh, <laughs> to, to send them to space camp uh, and uh, let them learn something useful for their lives. Right. Uh, they end up going to NASA and based on a particular, particularly clever thing that they do with a docking mechanism that's pure beavis and butthead <laughs> yeah. over and over and over again with no interference or problems whatsoever the crew for the next space mission uh think that they are the ones to that should be aboard the, the mission uh so they can do this docking maneuver that they can do like nobody else well <laughs> this is a particularly bad idea they end up on the mission it goes spectacularly wrong and to ward off the, 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 all the problems that happen on it, uh, the commander <laughs> uh, jettisons Beavis and Butthead into space. Uh, they end up going down a black hole and coming out the other side of it to modern day, uh, where they discover all the new things that have happened in the 20, 20 years since uh, they, uh, they, they last saw Earth. And the commander of the space mission is now uh, a congressperson and believes that Beavis and Butthead have come back for, might spoil their chances if it's revealed they, she jettisoned these two children out into space. And uh, it's just a, very, very much in line with Do America as they get to go across the, the, the state uh, and, and do all the things that Beavis and Butthead do. Uh, so I love Beavis and Butthead. I think we're all on the same page oh, yeah. with that here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Beavis and Butthead Do America, I think, is a, a fantastic film. And watching this, the first half hour of this movie, just watching them do the stupid, immature things that we come to expect, 
I was laughing and cackling like an absolute child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get into the, the second half hour of the movie, and I thought that this is the part where it's going to start to get really clever because now we're in modern times. Uh, I keep waiting for them to uh, really confront the anything involving the woke issues and all the things that are going on these days. We get one little scene like that. That's pretty funny. But Mike Judge didn't seem to go that far with it, at least not to the manner that I was hoping. Uh, There's still plenty of laughs along the way, but the second half of the movie, I have to say my laugh quotient kind of dried up a bit. And by the end of it, I, I, I thought that the movie didn't go as far as I was hoping it was going. It's tend to just repeat itself, and which seems like a weird criticism considering Beavis and Butthead do that a lot, and we've been fine with it for 30 years. Uh, but I wouldn't tell people not to see the movie because it is on Paramount+. Plus. But I have to say that I was slightly disappointed overall with the final product. Mm. Okay. All right. Steve, hmm. what do you think? Um, I wasn't disappointed, but I don't totally disagree with Eric either. Um, I will say, like, in the time since beavis and butthead do america mike judge has become like kind of a leading social satirist in the works that he does and i was kind of hoping i think as eric was to really like see him go for the jugular a little more with this now there is a scene involving white privilege in this yeah and, <laughs> and the boys yep. finding out that they have it yeah and right. that is devastating it's the best it's the best it's the best thing in the movie it's it i'm assuming that's movie. what eric was referring to before but, oh yeah um mm-hmm. yeah so but and that's just tremendous that's that's what i was hoping for more of and i feel like we could have got it i love i love that beavis becomes like the emotional centerpiece of the film for a while <laughs> like it's his emotions actually get in the way of their goal to get laid in this thing and but and, and the way he expresses his emotion is by saying to this to this woman, this who is their mission chief, and then later the Texas governor, is that uh, he's like, well, you don't have to have sex with me if you don't want to. Like that's his way yeah. of of being yeah. of being a feminist, I guess. Right. Or and then but still being friends to Butthead and saying, well, you can go first if you want. So um, that's because he's because he's a gentleman. So yeah, um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, there are there are really funny touches like that. Um, I, yeah, I would, I, I guess that's not what Beavis and Butthead do. They're, they're kind of more like the, I don't know, like the, like the stooges in that they bring down the establishment, like with just, by just being dumb around it. And, and that's kind of what they always did. Um, uh, but it's still, it's still very funny. I don't think I, I really stopped laughing. Maybe, maybe not as much toward the back half, but there, there were, there were some things throughout that just, I, I was, I was crying. Yeah. watching this thing and just and maybe just because i'm happy to see them again and i if i'm not mistaken this is kind of a kickoff thing because they're bringing the show back is that they right are. yeah they're bringing well, the show yeah. back and and the most important the part of that with the videos yeah. that's the that's most good. important that is, part is and that's and i was gonna say that's the other thing i still miss from this from these from this is that i that that's what i was watching them that's what i cared the most about well yeah those uh, well, video things so. well i mean it's it's there's not there's no videos in the in do america either uh well, so, right that's right. So, what i'm saying yeah you know so that i didn't expect that and and hearing yeah. the news that in fact that they got i mean that had to be a really a big pain in the ass to try and get the rights to yeah. all those videos but to have those come back and to have the the commentary uh and mm-hmm. just them just i mean one of the great things was mike judge destroyed mtv 
You know what I mean? There, <laughs> yeah. But, there, but there's a, it's a double-edged sword because Mike Judge like destroyed MTV, and the stuff that Beavis and Butthead did was great. But I want to blame Mike Judge for the popularity of Rob Zombie. I really do <laughs> because uh, because White Zombie never got any kind of you know huge kind of play or airplay until Beavis and Butthead, and then they became very popular, and that gave the green light to one of the worst filmmakers ever. Uh, so I blame Mike Judge for the, for Rob Zombie. So, uh, but That's outside. Fair. That's but for the, but outside of that, Mike Judge, as you mentioned, uh, Steve, I think he's one of the greatest satirists of his generation. Um, I think he's made some of the, the 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 funniest, most pointed films that people didn't get the first time around. Uh, obviously, you know, Office Space bombed when it when mm-hmm. it first came out, and now it's a cult classic, and people love it, and people you know have go to midnight shows to see it over and over and over again. Idiocracy, for Christ's sake, when that movie came mm-hmm. out. Uh, I went to the city north on Western to see it, and I looked in the newspaper. Remember when you would look in the newspaper for for times of movies? Yeah, yeah, I remember <laughs> <Of course>. that. <laughs> uh, and it didn't. It was untitled Mike Judge Project. The uh-huh. title, the title of the movie, was not even in the paper. Like you couldn't even. It was untitled Mike Judge Project. That's how much. Uh, uh, 20th Century was it? Was it Fox? Oh yeah, it was Fox. Yeah, it was Fox. Of course, mm-hmm. it was Fox because yeah. he worked with mm-hmm. Fox on the TV shows. Uh, yeah. But anyway, he so he so that thing gets dumped and and nobody went to see it. And now, of course, Idiocracy is a fucking documentary after what's been yep. happening, mm. you know, in the past like six, seven years. Uh, so 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 now everybody looks at Idiocracy and goes, oh, my God, he was way ahead of the curve. I'm a huge fan of Extract. Six yeah. people. I'm still waiting for that movie to find <laughs> it, uh, to find that crowd, that <laughs> office space. And I'm still waiting because it's that good. And so but when when, when this I, I was I, and I'm with you guys, I don't think it's like in that realm of the really brilliant, biting, acerbic, ahead-of-its-time satire that Mike Judge is known for now. But it's quality Beavis and Butthead, and that's what I wanted. And, you know, I agree with you guys. The first half of the film is funnier. Uh, but for the, for the most part, just seeing those two dipshits on screen uh, <laughs> and then the surrounding characters and some of the su- supporting characters show up, you know, like Stuart is briefly in it and all the other idiots, uh, and just to see, like... I, you know, like, because I, you know, as you, as you guys know that I'm not a fan of any multiverse movies, like I hate them right. all. This is the, this is the only one that I've ever really enjoyed. Uh, so anyway, uh, so I mean, yeah, it's not gonna, it's not the greatest thing of all time, but you know, to watch, it's perfect that it's on, it's, it, it's perfect that it's on Paramount Plus. You know sure. what I mean? Like that's yeah. the perfect place for it. It's an hour and 25 minutes long. It has in quality Beavis and Butthead laughs. It has some nice throwbacks to the other stuff. There is, as you said, that white privilege sequence is fucking amazingly hilarious. <laughs> um, and overall, my need for Beavis and Butthead was completely fulfilled. So I, I recommend people watch it. If you're a Beavis and Butthead fan, yes, you should watch it. So, mm-hmm. all right. So Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Uh, all right. There you go. Okay. Uh, Steve, uh. why don't you t- uh, tell us about Boz Lerman's latest or Baz or whatever, however you pronounce his goddamn <laughs> oh. name. Uh, Baz Luhrmann's latest movie, which is uh, the story of Elvis Presley. Elvis. Elvis. Um, was, okay, a hero to, so... was a hero to most, but he never. Okay, I'm not going to get into it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, this this is this is the the big biopic of, I guess, the year. Um, so this is this is about Elvis Presley from his childhood in Tupelo, Mississippi, to his rise, like meteoric rise to stardom. Uh, that started in Memphis, and you know, then he, of course he landed up basically taking up residence in in Las Vegas and all points in between, um, and then becomes like the first true rock and roll star and changes the world and blah blah blah. Okay, 
that's the real story. Um, what what the story that's told in in Elvis is the story of Elvis and his relationship with Colonel Tom Parker, who's played here by Tom Hanks. Elvis, I should mention, is played by. He's not a newcomer, but he's relatively new. A uh, kid named Austin Butler, right? Um, Who people and, might remember, he played Tex in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If right, it, that's yes, the only that's so the only thing a, I the only thing I ever remembered him from was that. Yeah, right. So, okay. um, I so and, and so it, it hits most of the the the, the points, but. It keeps filtering it through this. I mean, Tom Parker is the the storyteller here, so we're kind of seeing all this through his eyes. I guess he's the narrator. He's the narrator, but he doesn't really even portray himself that well. Uh, let alone Elvis. I'm I'm going to just be honest. I don't get what Tom Hanks is doing in this movie. I mean, you're not I you're not the only doing. one. You're not the only I mean, one. I don't Steve. I don't mean I don't get why he's in it. I mean I don't get the choices he's making. Yep. I don't yep. get. And there really does kind of come down to, is this his first legitimately bad performance? And I think it is. And I don't mean unlikable. I mean, like I said, just bad choices as an actor over and over again. And in a film, admittedly, filled with bad choices. So, um, but I now, that being said, as strange as it sounds... Like, I, I don't go into biopics looking for, like, 100% complete historical accuracy. That doesn't exist. There are no, unless it's a documentary, that's not, that never happens. I don't mind artistic license. I don't mind playing sort of free. And what I, what I, as long as you stick to the spirit of the person's life, I'm there for it. Like, I can be down for that. I think we, we've mentioned, I think Bohemian Rhapsodies come up. That's a distortion of the spirit of Freddie Mercury's life. I don't think Elvis is quite that bad. I think um, I think the spirit is there. And God almighty, Austin Butler is amazing in this movie. And I don't just mean in his impersonation. I don't just mean like on stage. I mean in capturing sort of the tragic elements of Elvis's life, the strange ex- eccentricities he, he gets down pretty well. Um, there's, a, there's a scene where we see him and Priscilla, his wife, break up that... I mean, he got me in that scene. Like I was, I was there. Like I was like, "Holy crap! Why is this bothering me as much as it does?" Um, so, uh, you like, it's not the film is not a complete abomination, and and you can't you can't say it is and then say, "Oh, but by the way, Austin Butler is amazing. He is amazing, and that makes the film tolerable." Um, but again, the, the the camera never stops moving. The, the, there's the forward momentum is relentless. And there's two over two and a half hours of it, so it really feels relentless. It's exhausting, this film. And I and I as much as like and you just have to kind of go through a lot of nonsense between Presley and and Tom Parker um before you get to great moments like a recreation of the sixty-eight comeback special or his the the first like Vegas show or any of the Vegas shows. I mean, those look completely authentic and they capture this sort of barely contained chaos that's going on on stage and the relationship between Elvis and his audience. Um, they get that right. I think they capture that. Well, there's just like so much of it. Um, but I like, honestly, I don't give a fuck about Tom Parker. Like I really don't. And I definitely don't give a fuck about him in this movie. And I don't give a fuck about him in the way Tom Hanks plays him. I think he's terrible here, and I'm not blaming Lerman for that. I'll blame him for a lot of things, but like Tom Hanks is a strong enough actor that he can make choices to make 
to, to they, he just makes the wrong ones here. And that's fine. He's like he has a he has a pretty good track record. So I'm not, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him this one, but I'm not gonna recommend this movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's fine. It's a it's right. more of a mixed bag than I was expecting, but still no, still no. Okay. All right, it's not a mixed bag for me, and I don't quite. I'm not with you entirely on uh, on praising Austin Butler completely. Um, I think uh, I, I think he's good in the movie. I don't think he's great, and I think that he captures Elvis uh, really nicely in the performance stuff. I think uh, because Baz Luhrmann was directing it, he goes uh, over the top in terms of emotions way too often in the film, as everybody does, because that's Baz Luhrmann. Um, and I do partially blame Baz Luhrmann for Tom Hanks. And this is the worst performance Tom Hanks has ever given. It's embarrassing. It's an embarrassingly <laughs> bad performance. It's worse than Lady Killers. It's worse than his hair in the, uh, in the Da Vinci Code movies. It's, wor- it's, worse than, uh, it's worse than the man with one red shoe. It's the, it is the worst thing he's ever done, um, uh, without question. Uh, he, was, he, he, was, he was more convincing drinking a vanilla extract in Family Ties than he is in any scene in this movie. <laughs> Um, the fat suit, uh, I saw Tom Hanks on, you know, he's doing the, he's doing the talk show circuit, uh, relentlessly as they are promoting the hell out of this movie. And so he's doing it and he talks about how he had to sit for five hours in a makeup chair. Now you've, you've seen the movie, Steve, does that look like it's mm-hmm. five hours worth of intricate makeup to you? It, lo- it looks like they slap wet Play-Doh on his face. It lo- like, yes. <laughs> it looks like he, he, it looks like he picked it up at uh, the fantasy headquarters on Milwaukee. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like on the way to six corners. That's what it looks like. Um, I-, I hated this movie, but I hate almost, I hate all of Baz, Baz Luhrmann's movies. I hate them all. The only one that I don't despise uh, is strictly ballroom. That's the only one I don't hate. I hate every other one of them. Um, and he continues to just, you know, go, the, like everything is over the top and like, hey, I, I have a di- distinctive style by, oh, look, this takes place in the 50s, but I'm going to have like modern day rappers do do different versions of this and acknowledge the fact that we are in 2022 and uh, this didn't exist. And, th- and so, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, Steve, sometimes you don't, you know, like it, it depends on the biopic that you see. Sometimes mm-hmm. you, you, you don't expect realism. And it's Baz Luhrmann, so I did not expect historical accuracy. But when he goes for historical accuracy, and he does, he gets it wrong. Like the making of the 68 comeback special, a lot of the details that are in the movie didn't happen that way. It just didn't. And, and, um, and, and so when you're, good, when you're doing that and you're building up to during the 68 comeback special, and that's the strongest, that's the least offensive thing in the movie is that section. And it mm-hmm. only because it builds up to... The, the writing, although it didn't happen that way, the writing and the recording of If I Could Dream, which, in my opinion, is Elvis's best song and the most incredible vocal work that the guy ever did and a crowning achievement on the end of the 68 comeback special. And so, obviously, that section of the movie is the most intriguing and the most emotional, not because of anything Baz Luhrmann did, but because they play back the music that that performance of If I Could Dream is there. And, it's, and, of course, it's great because it's a great song and it's a great performance. So there, And that in the last five minutes of the movie, which are shameless, by the way. I'm not going to get into <laughs> what, what he does at the end uh, of the movie. I don't want to like, give it away for people who want to who see it. But what he does at the end of the movie in the last five minutes is absolutely shameless. Absolutely unforgivably shameless. And you mentioned Bohemian Rhapsody. This movie reminds me of Bohemian Rhapsody in that at the center of the movie is an actor who actually came to do his job but is undone by all the crap around him. Uh, and, and, I, and I don't know if it's as bad as, as, as Bohemian Rhapsody or maybe it's just as bad. I don't know. Um, but it, they're both bad for different reasons, and both of them are historically inaccurate, wildly. 
So, uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, I hated it. I just thought it was embarrassing on every level. I hate, it was, and it's fucking almost three hours long, and it feels like it's ten hours long. Uh, and all of the crazy, overindulgent, over-the-top visual flares and loud music video cuts and zooms and all that crap, the crap that Baz Luhrmann has done in all of his movies, whether it works or not, and it never does, he thinks he's a stylist, and he's not. He thinks he has, he, he has some sort of filmmaking flair, and he doesn't. Everything, you know, everything that he thinks that he does that's groundbreaking is not. Uh, you know, I mean, this, you know, Duran Duran videos are more creative than the crap that this guy does. You know, in in movies, um, and 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 I hated it. I hated all of it. Now, I do want to mention this, and you know, a lot of people are going to go see this movie, and I'm sure it's going to make a lot of money. And obviously, the family's behind it because the check cleared. That's why the family has been going out and promoting the hell out of this movie. Everybody's go, but Elvis's family loved it. Yeah, sure. How big was the check they got? Um, hmm. And uh, and and everybody is you know, like going crazy. And 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 again, as you mentioned, uh, Steve. People are going to see this movie, and they are going to walk out. And Austin Butler, is, I would not be surprised if he got an Oscar nomination like uh, Rami yeah. Malek did. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if he gets it. I don't think he deserves it, but I think he'll, he'll probably get it. And people are going to walk out because it's anchored by a pretty strong center performance. They're going to walk out thinking they saw a good movie because the guy in the middle of it is good. But everything around him is horrible, including a two-time Oscar winner. It's unbelievably <laughs> bad. Now, as an alternative... Because I, you know, people should stay away from this movie regardless. But uh, for for people who uh, want to actually see stuff that is uh, that that is Elvis, you know, that's positive for Elvis, here are my three choices. There are three things that exist that make this movie completely uh, uh, unnecessary, and they are: this is Elvis, the documentary from 1981. Mm-hmm. Which there are two cuts of that. There are two versions of that. There's a 98 minute version and a two hour and 15 minute version. Get the longer version. It was released about five years after Elvis's death. Uh, uh, it's it is a tremendous movie. It's got a ton of archival footage, performance footage, home movies, reenactments as well, and it tells the story accurately with warts and all about the life of Elvis Presley, and it does it accurately, beautifully, and heartbreakingly. Uh, the ending of, of of this is Elvis is heartbreaking, uh, and yet it is it's it's accurate. So if you want to see an accurate portrayal, rent the documentary or stream the documentary. This is Elvis from 1981. Thing number two that you should see: John Carpenter's TV movie Elvis. Of course, I was going to say that because it's John I'm Carpenter. Shocked. But it yeah. also happens. But it also <laughs> happens to be a terrific movie with a great central performance by John Car- by John Carpenter by Kurt Russell. <laughs> And Kurt Russell is great in it, and it's much more accurate and much more streamlined, even though it was a three-hour TV movie. Uh, it's much more streamlined and much better. So if you want to see a fictionalized account of Elvis's life, John Carpenter's Elvis from 1979. And then it, it, I just go right to the source. Get the 68 comeback special. It's real. It's there. It's actually Elvis doing it. It's not an actor. It's not a bad director trying to recreate it. It is, in all its glory, one of the greatest television events in the history of TV and an incredible artist making a comeback, being relevant again, and just being astonishing. And it really exists. The real thing is out there. (laughs) So, 68 comeback special, John Carpenter's Elvis, and This is Elvis. Those three things exist, which means you do not have to see this crap. It's like all those people who were like defending Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, but they got the Live Aid part right. Yeah, you know what? You could go online right now and watch the real Freddie Mercury doing the real Live Aid in real Live Aid footage. 
So there's yeah. no, you know, there's no, and the same thing exists. The 68 comeback special actually exists with the real Elvis in all its glory. You do not have to see this crap. So this is Elvis, the documentary. Carpenter's Elvis from 79, 68 comeback special. They're out there. So that absolutely no reason whatsoever to see this flaming piece of crap. I will say two quick things. One is just a couple of years ago, they put out like a really wonderful deluxe edition of that 68 comeback yeah. special that has yeah. the has the has the special and then has like tons of rehearsal stuff. It's yep. great. Yep. Uh, I, I have it. I recommend it. Also, just a weird little side note about the beginning of this film. Um, Cody Smith McPhee appears in a couple scenes in the beginning as this real life country singer named Jimmy Rogers Snow that right. Elvis toured with. Right. He is wearing the exact same clothes that he wore from Power of the Dog yep. in this movie, and it's freaky because yep. I really thought for a second they were doing it on purpose. I'm not sure they didn't, but no. I, anyway, I, I, the it's minute hilarious. I the, the minute the minute I saw him in that costume, I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's all and again the the you know the idea to tell this story from the point of view of Colonel Parker. Uh, who obviously is in real life was an asshole, was a villain, was a, was a uh. carny. And all the stuff that they say about him in the movie is true. He was a dick and he led mm-hmm. to the death. He's, he's partially responsible for Elvis's death. There are two moments in Elvis's career that could have gone one way or the other, which they don't, one, one they cover in the movie they mentioned. He was offered a star is born. Uh, the, that, right. that, the part that went to Chris Christopherson. It was offered to Elvis at first because Barbara Streisand wanted him to do it. Uh, in order for him to do it, he had to lose a bunch of weight. And, and uh, but the colonel said, no, you will not do that movie. You will not do it. Uh, and that's it. And he wanted to do it. And the other was that which they don't mention in this movie, which is fine because they would have fucked it up anyway, was Schlesinger wanted him for the John uh, Voigt role in Midnight Cowboy in 1969. Hmm. After the 68 comeback special, he's like, man, you know who'd be good in Midnight Cowboy? Elvis. And again, the colonel, the colonel Parker was like, no, that's gay stuff. You don't want to do gay stuff. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, and this, is a, this has been a theory of mine, it's a cockeyed weird theory, but I think Elvis may have lived much longer or, you know, lived a much better life or, or taken a different route completely if he said yes and was in Midnight Cowboy. I think it would have completely altered his, 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 uh, his, the trajectory of his career, and he wouldn't have been stuck taking drugs on the, on the Vegas stages. And I think something huge would have changed. And I think he would have been good in Midnight Cowboy. I actually think he would have been good as Joe Buck. So anyway, uh, but that's just me. I'm not now, see, having that wild theory doesn't mean I'm going to make a three-hour movie about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, it's, it is, I think it's just, I think it's horrendous. And telling, the point, telling it from the point of view, and just, like, there, there are scenes, Steve, like it's the first ten minutes of the movie where he's like, where they've got Colonel Tom Parker, you know, like, um, uh, 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 Tom Hanks in that terrible fat suit in a hospital gown walking around Vegas narrating the movie. I was like, what the f-? Like, I was laughing out loud. Like, this is unbelievably bad. How are people... How is the, How did this get made? Like, seriously. Forget about bad. It's unnecessary. Absolutely. It's unnecessary. Absolutely. And... and oh. So I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, we'll see. It's going to make a ton... I think it's going to make a ton of money. Um, Eric, uh, when you do see it... <laughs> Uh, please let me know what you think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely hated it. But again, you know, I, I can't be objective about this because I can't stand that director's stuff. I just can't stand it. So I, I will yeah, say this. The crowd I saw it with, it was a mostly public crowd. Yeah. Loved it. No, yeah, they, they loved, it. loved I, it. I saw it last week and uh, uh, well, there was half critics, half public and half of the house liked it. So uh, <laughs> and there was you know, applause at the end and all that shit. But uh, yeah. yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. Uh, Eric, what are your what, where are your thoughts on this going before seeing? It? Well, uh, I'll do you one better with not only will I tell you what I think about it because I'll do that anyway. But I'm taking my mom to see this movie. She an Elvis fan? Is gigantic. Okay. Elvis. The reason I know Elvis yeah. existed is because of my mom. Yeah. So I'm taking her to see this movie. She's not quite sold on Austin Butler based on previews she's seen. She will. So be. I will give you. Uh, well, maybe she will. She will. And maybe be. she'll. Yeah. You know. But yep. so I. I mean, I'm with you, Nick, mm-hmm. on Baz Luhrmann. Uh, other than uh, I think the scenes between Kidman and McGregor and Moulin Rouge, uh, I don't like anything he's ever done. Yeah. Uh, so I, I. I'm not. I'm not well, down with his brand of. Well, I'll be interested to see what your mom thinks. As an, I mean, my mom is a huge Elvis fan, too. Um, and yeah. I, I, unfortunately, she's like, I'm like, yeah, if you're going to go see it, go see it on your own. I will not sit through that piece of shit again. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> but I'll be interested to see what happens and how your mom feels about it. But it really does, I mean, I, I, I think it really does stoke nostalgia. And so I think people are going to yeah. walk out, you know, because they recreate a bunch of stuff that already exists. It's like yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. That exists. Why People are like, oh, it was, it was so amazing <laughs> to see that. No. It's it's it, no it, the, okay, the real they should not, not they should not do it because it exists they have to if they don't do it they're yeah they'll get yelled at for not covering everything right so. no it's true yeah. but I mean but that was the selling point was we recreate shot for shot Live Aid okay there is a way to include yeah, yeah. Live Aid there's a way to include Live Aid in the story of Freddie Mercury by making the story of Freddie Mercury first and foremost and the Live Aid thing in aside. You don't have to yeah. do the whole 20 minutes of Live Aid. You know what I mean? It's just, anyway, I don't want to get into why Bohemian Rhapsody yeah, is yeah. a piece of shit. But, just, uh, just, remember, just remember that Elvis is the movie that COVID tried to stop. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because didn't, didn't Tom Hanks get it while they were making the movie? They were in, he was in yeah. Australia when yeah. he, got, he got diagnosed. So yeah. COVID tried to stop this. Uh, that's the, that was that, that's the one good thing that COVID uh, tried to do. Uh, I will. Yeah. Oh, even COVID can't stop. Baz even Lerman. COVID can't <laughs> stop Baslerman. <Lerman. Yeah. laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, all right. Let's move on. Eric, uh, the new uh, horror thriller thing, the Black Phone, is out. Yes, and uh, uh, tell us about the Black Phone. Okay, it's a new film from uh, director Scott Derrickson and uh, his uh, co-contributor uh, C. Robert Cargill. Uh, this is based on a uh, short story by Joe Hill, who otherwise known as Stephen King Jr. Uh, and Black Phone, which is set in the 1970s, 78, I, I recall. 78, 78 right, yeah. late 70s. Yep. Uh, Mason Thames plays a young boy named Finney and his sister, played by Gwen, uh, or, or named Gwen, played by Madeline McGraw, uh, are in a neighborhood where there have been a string of kidnappings and disappearances of, of people their age. Uh, someone has been grabbing them in a van populated by black balloons. And uh, their father, played by Jeremy Davies, is a horrendous drunk and an abusive drunk. Uh, their mother uh, has passed away, and he's, he's going through things with that, which is not an excuse for what he does to his children, but that's the way it is. Uh, and so Finney and Gwen... Uh, Gwen has uh, dreams uh, at night that seemingly foretell uh, elements of the future, which is something that her uh, dad is trying to quash because that is something of power possibly that her mother had at some point. Uh, Needless to say that young Finney uh, comes upon uh, the grabber uh, and is kidnapped himself and ends up in the basement of the grabber's house. Uh, The grabber played by Ethan Hawke, and uh, he is doesn't seem to, you know, to be doing much with the kid. The kid is just down there with a mattress and, and a black phone that is on the wall. 
that begins to ring, even though it is not hooked up. And as the boy uh, continually feels calls from the phone, he's discovering that voices on the other end of it are from previous victims of the grabber, uh, who is just more or less uh, just waiting upstairs, waiting for him to try to escape uh, and do horrible things that are only implied uh, in the movie. Uh, the voices on the other end of the line uh, trying trying to give Finney's uh, advice uh, different ways, possibilities to escape, uh, which he subjugates a little bit here and a little bit there, uh, hopefully leading to an opportunity to either take down the grabber or get away once and for all. Uh, now, speaking of filmmakers that I have not been on board with for their entire career, uh, Skepson has been one of them. He did Exorcism of, Exorcism of Emily Rose, which is a film that I find incredibly uh, insulting. I really hate that movie. Uh, have not cared for his other con uh, uh, collaboration with Ethan Hawke called Sinister. And uh, the David Erdstead still remake is terrible. I do not like Doctor Strange at all. Needless to say, going up and down his resume, I have not been impressed. This one, though, I actually enjoyed. And, I mean, from Joe Hill, uh, he he is his dad every which way, you know, <laughs> that you can imagine. I mean, the, the story elements that I just described there could very easily, not easily, they're seen in just about every other Stephen King uh, novel and story. And this one, though, I, I, I think that the elements of it, uh, which I was not expecting, I didn't, really knew nothing else about this movie other than Ethan Hawke plays someone i didn't even know what the black phone was going into it so it was all discovery for me as well and uh, I, I think that uh the people who I, I mean there's there's a lot of dare i say you know the, the same sort of spirit that stranger things uh has in store and i think people who are fans of stranger things will actually really enjoy this movie the r rating is mostly for language uh i don't think that the violence quotient is that high in the movie uh, to, other than the language to warrant the R rating, uh, but I enjoyed uh, the the sort of the little bits and bits and pieces of the way that he's trying to escape and how it ultimately leads up to sort of a grander plan by the end. There, there's one, there's a moment in the movie though that I I cannot believe Derrickson and Cargill let stand, and I it just it seemed like just completely shoddy filmmaking and storytelling that I it almost turned me the other way for a while on the film because there's a character in the movie that's introduced played by James Ransone. Ziggy. And it's, Ziggy. Yeah, and it's a and it's a really <laughs> funny scene. He plays a guy who is sort of a not, not so much a conspiracy, but he thinks he's figured out exactly where the the grabber is and where you know these kids might be either being held or being buried or whatever, and the cops come to his house and are investigating it. And there is a, there's a reveal that almost happens instantaneously, not very shortly after that scene. I cannot believe they did not let that reveal linger until much later in the movie, because that would have been a moment where you would have gone like, oh. And they blow, they just blow it out of the water right away. I'm like, why would you got you got us here? Why wouldn't you let that stand for a little while? It just, mm. I, I don't understand the point of why they would just blow that reveal so early. 
Yeah. Um, Ethan Hawke is creepy. I like. I think Mason Thames is good. Uh, I mean, I don't think this is a great horror movie, but for Erickson, I think this is the best thing that he's done to date, okay. and I'm recommending it. All right, Steve. I might agree with that assessment of it being the best thing he's done to date. Um, I, I, I really like this. I think it. I think it. I think I kind of like the the way that one scene flows to another. I like the way that each dead kid which i mean that dead kid idea on the phone is unnerving but it's really effective each kid he talks to gives him a little more information and a little more advice on how to either get out of there or get rid of this grabber guy um and i like the way it just kind of flows really nicely and um and it's and and by the end that the whole thing with the dead kids is is really kind of moving and inspiring and in a, in ways I'm not used to getting moved or inspired. Um, yeah, the two, the two kid leads, um, are great. I think they're terrific. And Ethan Hawke, what I think is fascinating is I'm pretty sure we never see the entirety of Ethan Hawke's face in this movie. No, I, I think the close, I think the closest we do, he has sunglasses on and like white makeup on his face, I think. But I mean, but still he is doing things, expressive and twisted things with masks and, uh, that uh, it that are like I, I don't think. And by the way, by the way, the, the, the masks are designed by Tom Savini. I think we need to mention that. Awesome! Tom, uh, I didn't Tom, know that. Tom, okay, Tom, so Tom Savini. Yep, Tom Savini yeah. did the mask. Yeah, but they're really and there's like sometimes where it just covers up the bottom of his face. Sometimes it just covers up the, his eyes. But they're really and his acting. I, like I said, I don't think every actor could have played that part as well. Uh, he's so effective here. I think the only the weak part for me. Um, with, with Jeremy Davies, who I who I tend to like, but he's so affected. His he's like a, this drunk, abusive father. I'm guessing that the child abuse might also be the reason there's an R rating on this thing because they uh, don't really flinch. And I don't mean the child abuse by the grabber. Uh, I mean the child abuse by the dad. Um, I'm 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 he like it just seems unnecessary. It seems like these kids already have enough stacked against them that they don't also need like a, an alcoholic, abusive father. So that, that seemed like overkill to me. Um, I know there are, since this was a short story by Joe Hill, I, I know there are things that have been added and I, I didn't read it. So I don't know what's different. I'm guessing that James Ransom character though, it was added. <laughs> I can't imagine that he just doesn't feel like he's part of this movie most of the time. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a fan of this than, uh, than I was expecting, to be honest. So, uh, and and I and I will say this: if if it was this was any other writer that wrote this, or if this was like an original screenplay, I don't think we necessarily think it would. We'd be making all these Stephen King comparisons. I think it's kind of been put in our heads. I don't think a girl having, oh. Pre- oh. I don't think that a, a girl no having way. premonitional. No. I don't think a girl having premonitional dreams is uniquely King. I don't know. I mean, or if, uh, yeah. he's certainly not yeah. the only one I, to have used it. So I totally, I totally disagree yeah. with that. I, I totally yeah, disagree with that. If, if Joe Hill weren't Stephen King's uh, son and we didn't know anything about him, we would go, wow, this is the biggest Stephen King ripoff I've ever seen. But then um, I, will I, think, I think we wouldn't give it as much of a pass. No. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I think people yeah. are giving it a pass. I'm saying, look, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. It's still clinging onto the fucking tree in this movie. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, it is like every cliche from Stephen King is used ad nauseum in this movie. Um, and, and one of the reasons mm. I like I'm, I'm recommending it, but just barely. 
This is like a three, two and a half star thing for me because there's a lot of stuff in this movie that bugged the shit out of me. Um, and most of it having to do with being recycled Stephen King stuff. Um, uh, and, I mean, you could count on both hands the number of allusions to other Stephen King things. Like, I mean, for Christ's sake, uh, a girl riding a bike with a, with a yellow raincoat on in the middle of the rain. Where's the sewer? I was like, where's, uh-huh. where's Pennywise? Where's that going to happen? And there's Carrie in it. There's, like, Stand By Me, yeah. The Body. There's, I mean, it's like yep. everything. It's like my dad's greatest hits all in one movie, and he gets away with it because he's Stephen King's son. That's the only reason. Um, you and think I, he picked the raincoat color? Well, <laughs> he picked, it, I don't I, think I'm, that's his fault. Well, no, I don't know, man. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, but I would be. the other thing is that Derrickson, I am, I'm actually a fan of uh, Exorcism Emily Rose. That's the only movie he's directed that I like and mm. I actually like it more than this. Um, the things about this movie that made me crazy were all of the, it's just crowded with unnecessary shit. There's way too much stuff going on here. Psychic daughter, dead mom, alcoholic. By the way, Jeremy Davies is terrible in this movie. He's <laughs> ter- It's an embarrassing performance. And all the scenes where he's beating the shit out of the kids and drinking all played to like, uh, the, you know, the le- level 11 in this. Uh, the yeah, cops unnecessary. are the cops are ridiculous. It's like the most cliched pair of cops in the world. The whole, like, hey, let's investigate the house, that's a, there's, a, there's a moment that's completely taken from Silence of the Lambs um, that, you, that echoes back to uh-huh. Silence of the Lambs, and I don't even like that goddamn movie. And I was like, what the hell? Um, and so, but I will say this. The kids are great. The, the, they are great. The two, the two leads are fantastic. Their chemistry together is really wonderful. Uh, I love the fact that this is 1978. I was that kid's age. I was 13 in 1978, okay? And uh, let me tell you something. Kids talked like that. They dropped F-bombs. They did terrible (laughs) things to each other. If there was a fight, somebody would pick up a rock and smash you across the head with it. Uh, And if you got into a fist fight, if there were bullies, they'd beat the shit out of you. Although I will tell you this. The one kid had a... uh, a Cheech and Chong t-shirt that was not available in 1978. I just want people to know. Uh, so, otherwise I would have had it. So anyway, um, so all of, the, all of that stuff, you know, like all the elements, the supernatural stuff, for me, the supernatural stuff, absolutely not, not doesn't work at all. But everything with Ethan Hawke works. Ethan Hawke is great in this movie, and it's not a big role. But every time he's on screen, he's creepy. He makes really interesting choices. His voice you would never recognize Ethan Hawke's voice in this movie, ever. He's great. He's scary. He's creepy. If the movie, and all of the stuff where like, he comes down to the basement and talks to the kid, all that stuff is great. All the spirits, the phone calls, all that shit can go. If they would have stripped it down and made this, this thriller about this creepy grabber guy and this kid and no supernatural bullshit and just made that movie and kept Ziggy from, from The Wire in there... <laughs> Uh, I, I think it would have worked. For me, all the unnecessary supernatural stuff and all the unnecessary Stephen King ripoff elements, that's what drags this movie down. But when it's just about the kids uh, and it's just about Ethan Hawke and that confrontation, it's very creepy and very effective. Uh, also, um, the first three music cues in the movie are taken directly from Dazed and Confused, and I don't need that in my life. Like yeah. there's a, there, like the immediate like the beginning of the movie he uh-huh. strikes out he's he's trying to strike out a kid in the little league game and uh, uh, free ride comes on which happens right after the little league game in Dazed and Confused and I was like what do you do what so um but I will say this they do use the, the Pink Floyd uh, segment on the run from uh, Dark Side of the Moon they use that mm-hmm. very effectively 
uh, in, in the movie. There's a sequence where they use the on the run uh, from Floyd really effectively uh, in the movie. But all the supernatural stuff, all the Stephen King-related stuff, they could have cut all that out and expanded upon the, the whole Ethan Hawke grabber character, uh, the Ziggy from, uh, from The Wire, and the kid being captured, and made a great creepy movie movie out of it but to me there's too much stuff going on but i'm still recommending it because there's enough good stuff in it between the performances um and uh and and uh and and some of the sequences that uh, that I'm, I'm i am barely recommending it but so. i'm surprised you're saying that about the supernatural stuff because i it's so rare in movies like this with a very human villain at the center where the victims of that person get a voice and I really liked that the kids had a voice in this well, because normally I mean, they're just pictures. You know, they're well, just pictures on a you know, phone pole, like a well, phone I don't pole, know. So. I don't know about that, Steve. I mean, there's like four Nightmare on Elm Street movies that do that, that bring those kids back, the, the victims of, of Freddy Krueger. It's nothing. I don't think it's anything startlingly new. I mean, the, I'm not you know, saying it's new. I'm saying it's yeah. rare. I said no, it was I, okay, rare. And it okay. is rare. Just, I know it is. Well, it's rare unless you've seen four of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And then it's there. I, so it, there was nothing that I hadn't seen before. And, it, and I thought it was unnecessary. And again, the stuff that grabbed me was the realistic kidnapping the kid creepy grabber stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff that had me. That's when the movie really held me in its grasp. Otherwise, I was like, all right, uh, I enjoy Stephen King, too. Thanks to your dad. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I think this is going to do pretty well, though, and I think it's going to. I, I think the, the so far the reviews have been pretty solid for it. So they have. Um, yeah, I think I think the horror crowd's going to come out for this one. And, I'd, and I'll tell you what, it's Citizen Kane compared to Elvis. I will tell you that. <laughs> um, well, it's Citizen Kane compared to Firestarter. <laughs> for Christ's sake! <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, not no, not the Mark Lester Firestarter. No, uh, no, no, no. That, yeah. That's a better film. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. What do we got in a couple of weeks? Are we 4th of July is the next time we talk? Yeah? So we've got the Minions. Uh, I know that's coming out around the 4th. And then, um, oh, oh, Thor comes out the 8th of July, right? Right. Thor yeah, comes so, out, Thor. Yeah, so we'll be able to talk about that. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's the big one. Okay. All right, uh, Steve, uh, Eric, thank you guys uh, so much. Uh, you guys are awesome. And we will talk to you uh, in a couple of weeks. Sounds right. good. All right, guys, take care. There you go. There's there's Steve, uh, there's uh, Eric, and that's the movies. And let's say hello to Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda, yeah. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esma, I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esmeralda, yeah, yeah. When you hear that funky theme, it's funky time. Right, right, Esmeralda? It's funky time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's Esmeralda Leon, uh, who joins me every episode here. It is episode 46 here. Uh, And uh, hi, Esmeralda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. You got anything uh, anything going for the weekend? Um, just trying not to melt. Yeah, boy, it's been it's been summer, hasn't it? It is steamy. God, I hate it. I hate it so much. Oh, <laughs> God, it's the worst. It's, it's the worst. It's not. It's not bad when like you're in the shade and then you get a breeze and then there's yeah, some birds singing. 
And like that very moment you go, this isn't bad. No, it's bad. But then you walk into the blazing sun and then, yeah. yeah. No, I even in the shade with the breeze, it sucks. I, I, I hate this <laughs> shit. I hate it. I hate it. Oh, God, it just makes me so miserable. Um, but yeah, I've uh, been trying to stay out of it. Been going to a, a lot of movies. Uh, went to some screenings um, th- this past week. Uh, saw that, uh, the, well, we just reviewed it. Uh, Eric and I uh, and, and Steve just reviewed the creepy uh, uh, Ethan Hawke with masks on kidnapping children movie mm. called The Black Phone which we just reviewed, uh, the oh. new film that Baz Luhrmann continues. I know you love Romeo and Juliet. I understand. <clears throat> yeah, but that's the only one. But he continues to be a blight in the world of cinema, uh, and his latest target that he's pissed on is Elvis, and we talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I went to go see, last night, I went to go see this documentary that, um, that George Michael was working on up until the day he died in 2016 and they finally finished it and it's a documentary about his life and it's called George Michael Freedom Uncut and they had a special one time only screening of it in movie theaters um, last night well the night before last because you know it's Friday not Thursday Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but anyway the other night Wednesday night uh, and I went to it and it was it was awesome it was awesome made me cry a bunch of times because I love George Michael he's one of my favorite artists ever Um, just a gift from from the heavens with that voice and that songwriting and just amazing oh yeah and and he was uh, very special and it was great because like in this theater I went to the City North Theater there on Western near the Kennedy Mm -hmm. and uh, the theater was pretty full it it had a nice little crowd it was only a one time only thing and nobody under 40 was in the theater and (laughs) uh, there were a lot of older housewives who are in their 50s uh, you know probably you know moms some of them maybe grandmoms all mm-hmm. coming out. Some of them had canes. You know what I mean? They were they were getting up there, and uh, older women but dusting off their old George Michael concert shirts and Wham shirts and shit. It was beautiful. It was just beautiful. And we were all there. Like <laughs> after when it was over, we all cheered because the last image is just a really wonderful picture of George Michael, and it just says you know uh, you know the, his the 1963 to 2016. And that's the final image. And we all like clapped. And then as we were all walking out, we're like, what's your favorite George Michael song? I like Wham. You know, it was like, <laughs> so it was wonderful. That's and very sweet. That's yeah. Nice. And it's out there. You can, you can Google it. I think it's going to be streaming, but I wanted to see it on the big screen with the big sound and all the music and everything. And it had tons of, you know, um, people doing testimonials, talking heads and stuff. I mean, from like, I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, James Corden was in it because that's how the whole uh, car uh, kar- karaoke thing started mm-hmm. was because in 2011, before like three and a half years before he got the gig here in in, in America, he did the very first one he did was with George Michael, where they sang songs together in the car. Oh. And uh, and you know that was kind of his calling card to get the goddamn late night gig. And, Interesting. Yeah. So James Court. James Court. Yeah. And it's and it's actually it's great. It's really great. Uh, it, you know, despite the fact that James Corden is in it, but it, because it's George Michael, it's great. Um. And so it's like he's all over it. Mary J. Blige is all over because they you know they work together a bunch of times. They did uh, uh, Stevie Wonder. Uh, they talked to Stevie Wonder in it. Richie Ricky Gervais, who is just genius in it, uh, mm-hmm. because uh, I don't know if you do you ever watch the show Extras. That, um, that I've seen Rick, a few episodes, yeah. Uh, George Michael appeared as George Michael. Uh, oh, okay. And he was George Michael doing community service. He had to clean up. He had to clean up. Uh, <laughs> he had to clean up shit in a park because he got caught trying to, you know, suck some guy's dick in a bathroom, <laughs> which happened Good in real for life. George. Yeah, no, no, no. He Good embraced for that. 
He embraced it. Yeah, I was going to say, was this before or after? But no, it was after. And you know, you remember what happened after that happened. Like, he got busted, you know, because Mm -hmm. he got, got, you know, it was a scam. It was, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Not a scam. Entrapment? uh, Entrapment or whatever it is. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was, yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean, you know. It was an undercover cop, and he was going to Yeah, like, it's a have sting. A sting operation, you know, yes. whatever it is. And so, you know, George George, George Michael was gay. He was single at the time, and there was a very attractive man who offered some sex, and they were going to do it in the bathroom, and then the cops arrested him. And then he did a song called Outside, like three months later. Have you ever seen the video mm-hmm. for Outside? I have not, no. Where he's in a bathroom, and all the urinals turn around, and it turns into a disco, and he comes in dressed up like a cop. (laughs) It's fucking great. It's like him completely saying, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I was. I was going to have some (laughs) sex with this guy in the bathroom, and he turned out to be a cop. And he wrote a song called Outside, you know, and it's like this celebratory thing about, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah, I was in the bathroom, and I was going to do that. Um, So they show that in the movie. But then they also, but the, the greatest, I mean, Gervais is great, but the best you know, and all Elton John. I mean, just seriously, a million people are interviewed because it's George Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best was uh, 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 Liam Gallagher was the oh, best. Okay. Like the, it was the best because he's the last guy in the world that you would think <laughs> would would praise. But he had nothing but amazing things to say about George Michael. Oh, okay. Oh, but he didn't know him. Uh, I think he met him. You know, they probably met maybe. Okay. But, but it wasn't like a thing of like, he's like, me and George Michael were like No, this. no, 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 oh, no, no, okay. no. Look, it's no, just what they a did was thing. Okay. They, they would give vinyl, like every person that they interviewed, there was a turntable next to them. And so every person would put a, a piece of vinyl on, whether it be maybe from Freedom or whether it be Listen Without Prejudice or whether it be Older, whatever the record was. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the interviewees had uh, turntables next to them, so they would have vinyl exclusively with them, and they could they could put on any song they wanted on the vinyl and talk about it. And so he put on "Listen Without Prejudice." Uh, he put on um, "Praying for Time," which is one of the best fucking songs ever. And he put it on, and he's like, "Well, right there, that's it. That's the shit. He's the fucking shit." And he's like, and he's like going on and on about how he's being. No, see, wait, I can see that Liam Gallagher would love George Michael. I just thought he knew him. I was like, oh, no, that's no. insane. I just, it's. I don't know why I wouldn't. I don't know why. I just think Liam Gallagher just hates everything. You know what I mean? I mean? They're like, buttholes, but they know, yeah. like, no, they yeah. understand. I mean, I love Music. Oasis, I, and I was just, it, but he, I mean, he just, uh, you know, he dropped F-bombs all over the place, you know, uh, and said, he's a fucking cunt, and, he, and stuff like that, but he did it in the way that, you know, it's, it's a compliment, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he just went on about how he's just, he was just as good as John Lennon, and I was like, God damn, Liam. <laughs> so, but anyway, it was lovely, um, and uh, so it was, it, was, it was really great to, 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 to see that on the big screen. So oh, if you're a George cool. Michael fan, it's out there. It's called George Michael uh, Freedom Uncut. And he worked on it up until the day he died. Um, so anyway, but it's out there. Very you can nice. see it. it was really cool. We were talking a little bit about it, about the, it, do you remember finding out that George Michael died? Cause he died on Christmas day, 2016. He died Christmas day, 2016. I do you remember? did. I couldn't yeah. tell you what I was doing. I mean, I'm assuming I was just probably with my parents or yeah. when was it? What year? 2016 Christmas day, 2016 is when he died. Oh, I actually might've been at work. <laughs> might've been at the radio station. <laughs> Oh, really? You were at the yeah, car wash, as, as most, we now call it? Most likely. Because you were on my show at that time, right? There. You were you were with no, me at that time. Um, maybe. Oh, no, either, no, you were. It was were. either that or I was doing the um, weekend still. I think, you were, I think you were on my show. 
I think okay. in, by by 2016 you were on my oh, show. Oh, so then maybe no, because I would still I would still work. Yeah, you know, you would fill in it, and stuff. If yeah. it was a no, 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 but like for traffic, if it was like even if you weren't there, you would work. So if yeah, Christmas you, yeah. Day was a weekday overnight. <laughs> You might have been uh, working. I was most likely at the radio oh, station. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it <laughs> happened. I found out about it. I, I told you this off the off the air. Every Christmas, my parents and I go to a movie. And, you know, very often, my parents and I on a weekend go to movies. And for a, mm-hmm. a good stretch of time every weekend, we would go to a movie. And we went, to, as we did every Christmas, on that Christmas day in 2016, we went to go see that goddamn uh, Brian Cranston, I don't like my... My daughter's new boyfriend, James Franco movie, which uh, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Oh, I'm, you just told me 10 minutes ago before we started. Recording, why him? Why him? It's called or yeah. Yes. Why him? Oh, no, not that jag off. That was what the alternate <laughs> title was. And it was Brian Cranston and Megan Mullally as the parents. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Zoe Deutsch, who's awesome, who is the daughter of Leah Thompson, uh, by the way. Um, mm. And she's amazing, incredibly talented. And uh, and then James Franco plays the goofy, tattooed asshole boyfriend. And yeah. we, my parents and I saw that on Christmas Day, and it was terrible. It's, a, it's an awful movie. And I remember coming out of the theater, and my parents were in, in the bathroom. I was waiting for them outside in the lobby, and I turned my phone on, which was off. And my phone, catching up with messages, was buzzing like crazy. Like somebody had left like a ton of – I'm like, what the fuck is going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And I checked, and people were like, are you okay, man? Like they were <laughs> – people were checking in on me. And I'm like, what? And uh, I, that's how I found out George Michael died uh, that oh. day. Because, uh, and so I always associate that goddamn movie with George Michael's death. It's always <laughs> going to be associated. Aww. So, yeah. By the way, it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday. Okay. December 25th, 2016 was a Sunday. All right. Well, then you were so probably I was, at, I was probably pre- preparing. Well, no, I was probably preparing to go in the radio station oh okay work. okay well it happened during the afternoon or it was announced during the afternoon because we were at a matinee so that i know um but yeah so i always think this is the way i look at it why him that's the name of it right why him um yes why him that movie killed george michael that's the way i always that's the way Jesus. i will always associate it with <laughs> brian cranston murdered <laughs> george michael as far as i'm concerned so anyway hey um you know, we've been talking about, we're going to get to uh, weird facts about famous characters and some of your favorite characters and my favorite characters of all time. Yes. Um, I want to get to that. But you know how we do the crazy uh, facts that will scare the crap out of you? Mm-hmm. Okay, or just I have, disgust you. Or disgust you, yes. <laughs> Slash disgust you. Now, I have some more uh, bathroom facts here that I want to get to, and here's why. I don't know if you've seen my Facebook feed uh, today. Uh, not today. Okay. Well, you should uh, check it out because, um, I, as I was telling you uh, last night, or yeah, shit, well, fuck it, it's Thursday. Let's not we're taping. This <laughs> I think up. we've already broken. I think that. we've blown. I think we've blown it already. So it's <laughs> you Thursday. You said it it's many times that we All don't right. do this on the day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to maintain the. You know, I'm trying to maintain the mystery. Um, right. So anyway, sure. last night I went to see that George Michael uh, documentary, and beforehand. Mm-hmm. I went to the Burger King. There's a Burger King directly across the street from the City North 14 uh, movie theaters right on Western mm-hmm. there. And so I, you know, I stopped in there to get a burger. And uh, if, you, if you can, if it's possible for you to like, look at my Facebook page, um, I went to the bathroom after I finished eating. I went to the bathroom. Um, and it was an astonishing experience, uh, that bathroom. <laughs> okay. Um, and I took a picture. 
um, uh, without any enhancements. And I took a picture of it, and I oh. po- I posted it on my <laughs> Facebook page. Um, and that is the actual facilities, the men's room at the Burger King across from the city north. Can I tell you the picture you took mm-hmm. looks like a painting. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> well, it's real, though. It's real. It looked like the lighting and everything makes it look nope. so like Renaissance painting. Well, that you- <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels like a Renaissance bathroom. I mean, you're looking at it, right? Yes. Okay. You see the urinal with the cardboard box and the sign. Yeah, that's is a, it just it's out of order? Does out of work? order. Don't, don't piss in here, it says. Something like that. Uh, and has anyone tw- pissed in it? Oh, it's, there were stains everywhere. It was so, so you look at that picture, okay? And that's the actual yeah. facility. And I said something mm-hmm. like, I think they shot one of the Saw movies in here. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I said, like, David Fincher scouted for, uh, you know, he wanted to use this room for a scene in Seven, but it was too depressing even for Seven. <laughs> and somebody else posted, and I should have posted this too, but somebody else posted, did you and McGregor come climbing out of the, <laughs> out of the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> Which is my favorite. <laughs> But that's an actual, that is a real bathroom, Esmeralda. Like, I walked in there and went, what the, and here's the other thing. When you walk in, um, it's on, the the lighting is on a timer. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. So that when you walk in, the (laughs) lights flicker and are very dim. So for the Mm -hmm. first, like, minute and a half you're in that bathroom, it literally is like you're in a scene from Seven. Like, the lights are flickering and it, and it looks, so imagine that. When you first walk in, but only dark, flickering, crazy strobe lights. I mean, that adds more to the yeah. To that, the, and that's when I pulled it. my camera the out, ambience. but I, but I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't actually capture the strobe effect with my camera, and I didn't want to right. film in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I thought we could jump back into toilet talk here. Sure, sure, All sure. Right? Have you ever been in a bathroom that nasty? I mean, because that's that is just um it, probably yeah. Uh, you know, you just kind of grin and bear it. Like, if you really got to go. <laughs> yeah, well, I... I mean, if you don't, then you'll just be like, and... I yeah, no, I, I didn't. I didn't. I went in, and I was there for a couple of seconds, and I was looking around. I'm like, I can't believe this. And I was just kind of looking around. Then I pulled my camera out, and I took the picture, and then I, I went right across the street to the theater and used the bathroom across the street. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> but I did, for posterity reason, I was like, I got to get a picture of this can. This is really one of the most disgusting bathrooms I've ever been in. Like... Pre-remodeled Carol's Pub bad. That's how bad. Oh no! That's how Yikes. Bad. Yeah. So, but anyway, uh, so I thought maybe you know since we talk about these uh, these crazy facts here, let's get into more of the toilet mm-hmm. ones. Are you ready for this? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, because germs in feces are dispersed throughout the air when you flush the toilet, one expert recommends that you leave the stall right after flushing immediately. Oh, uh, that's what oh, yeah, Philip. I do ter- that. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Kinda, like, what are you gonna uh, hang out? What are you gonna? <laughs> well, you know, like you try to just flush and then run off because right. you can. I think you can almost see. You can pretty much see it. Sometimes those <laughs> toilets just have quite a. The flush is just like a damn wave. Yeah. And it's like you, sea spray. <laughs> you can see. You can see the. You can the, see the, the spray. Germs. Like, oh god! So you uh, like run because you're like, I don't want toilet water on me. <laughs> this doctor says uh, he's the director of clinical microbiology and diagnostic immunology uh, at New York's University Medical Center. He says the greatest aerosol dispersal 
occurs not during the initial moments of the flush, but rather once the water has already left the bowl, it gets worse then. Mm-hmm. So get the hell out of there. So flush and leave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you look at the picture of that bathroom, I would still not be safe. Right, because, yeah, there's no stalls to protect you. No, there's no walls, nothing. So you the have urinal. to run out of that room. <laughs> but you don't even wash your hands. Flush, run the hell out. Um, I mean, but you yeah, can wash them and then flush. You can wash your hands and then flush. You use, yeah, the, wash. use your foot. Use your you foot to flush. flexible enough. Yeah. This is one of those bathrooms, this picture that I'm talking about, this is one of those bathrooms where you would, I would recommend using the foot to flush. But that's how, yes. I mean, seriously. And there's no walls or up. Or toilet paper, you know. Something. <laughs> And there's no, but no, there was there, and there's no uh, towel dispensers. It had a, it had a broken hand dryer. Mm. Like I tested to see if mm-hmm. the hand dryer worked because you stick your hand under it, and it didn't go on. So, mm. all right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's no wall between the urinal. The urinal is like right next to the toilet, so like somebody those can come always, in and go. Those always weird me out. Yeah, like when they're that large and it's just one toilet. I mean, I get it because it's like for um, uh, handicap accessible. Right, but it always just like when you're in there and you're by yourself, you just feel like this is too much for me. And, <laughs> and, and 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 I understand that. And there was a lock on the door. I will say that there's a lock on the door, so like you could go in there and lock the door, and nobody will come in. But if you leave the door unlocked, and you know somebody comes in, there's a urinal right next to the toilet. What is somebody? I mean, that's use? kind of on you. <laughs> you know, I know, but if the door. no, no, I don't. If there's no lock, I don't use it. That's basically what it comes down. Right. To. But like, is I've, someone? I mean. Do, I've had to do it, but not in one of those. But like, if the stall lock doesn't lock, that's you when you put, the, the, you put your yeah, foot. You put your yeah. You just have the, to have a yeah. hand or a foot or something <laughs> yep. to try to pee and do that, or make <laughs> yeah. yourself really known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That's like someone. If someone is in this place, yeah. please don't my, push the door. <laughs> my question is: the person who designed this men's room, it has a urinal and a toilet. They're next to each other. There's no wall between them. Did they think that, oh, yeah, people are going to want to piss in a urinal next to someone who's taking a dump? Like, that's going to be Well, I something. don't think you're supposed to go in with anyone else. It's just a dealer's choice. Right. <laughs> what would you like? Urinal or a toilet? We offer both luxuries. <laughs> they have both. <laughs> you right. pee a little in the urinal, pee a little in the, in the toilet, you know, do whatever you, can, you like. You, you can splash between. You've seen everything in this place. People... Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Okay, though 95% of people claim to wash their hands after using public restrooms, um, a study conducted by the American Society for Microbiology found that only 67% actually do. Mm, No, I believe that. I do, too. Um, too. It might be less now. Yeah, I don't know. But... I don't know. I'll give you that. I think that maybe for a time period, people were more cautious, but... Not anymore. No, no one cares. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi, Carrie. I love Nick's show. Hi, Hi I'm Carrie Russell, I and I love Nick's show. See, anytime we mention bathrooms, Carrie Russell comes, <laughs> comes in. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, she's by the way, quite, I have a... She's a bathroom connoisseur. <laughs> I have a new soundbite here, Esmeralda, that um, that if you ever want me to use, if I say something mm-hmm. stupid, which oh, okay. is constantly, which is pretty much constantly, I'll yeah. say something stupid. <laughs> you can rely on that. But here's this: I, I was watching uh, uh, Ridiculousness, which I'm likely to do, you know, regularly because I love it. 
And there was a, a clip that they played where this guy, uh, they were showing this, you know, somebody was filming this video of, an, uh, uh, of a nice wintry little road with the first snow coming down. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, some naked guy comes running in and streaks across it. And, uh, and at the end, he says this. God damn it, Nick. That's <laughs> I mean, honestly, I should have the the sound so that I, I will. Can I'll, I'll send it. it. I'll send it to you. God <laughs> damn it, Nick! Yeah. Just anytime, like, Bruh. yeah. Anytime I say something, God damn it, Nick! Yeah, that's not, so. <laughs> that's new. That's new. The rep. It, 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 maybe we can just have a cue. You could just go, uh, "Hey, Nick, how about uh, how about doing that?" And then I'll just go, "God damn it, Nick!" So there you go. Anyway, um, and as soon as I heard that, it was it was I, I was like, okay, I have to get this and use that. Yeah. Because I, you know, that's a sentence I've heard a million times from everybody that I know. So anyway, okay, all right. How about the the, the last one that we'll do here? Mm-hmm. This is a, this one. Here we go. You ready for this? Yes. Fecal germs can travel through at least ten layers of toilet paper. Wow. Oh man, huh? That. Dang. <laughs> that's. Really... I'm assuming like microscopic. Yeah. Because, I mean, all right. So, well, this is, this is just now thinking of my mother's, like, her idea of, like, if the, to- the toilet seat, she doesn't hover, she puts toilet paper down. And she taught me to put toilet paper down. But now, with this fact, useless. Yeah. Useless. Yep. No point. No I point. mean, I don't anymore because I heard that the toilet seat is cleaner anyway. Right. Uh. Yeah, and it's I not like I'm not going to wash my ass later. See, so. <laughs> you know, like uh, or I think I broke my ass. That's going to happen. <laughs> God damn it, Nick! But yeah. wow. Uh, so what I'm thinking of is when you yourself are wiping. That's what I'm saying. That's no. So that's then, exactly. And then you don't wash your hands. Yeah. No. 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 That's what. That's no. Yeah. Boy, no. <laughs> no. No. <It's, laughs> oh man. Well, there you go. There's some lovely. More bathroom uh, thoughts, uh, but it, those all of the all of the bathroom facts that we've been talking about over the past couple of episodes where we brought this up, those were mm-hmm. all like running through my psycho mind as I was spending those three minutes in that bathroom last night. <laughs> so anyway, okay. Hey, by the way, uh, our taste test continues, and we're getting mm-hmm. near the end. I think we only have a couple of more flavors we to try. Are out. yeah, we don't have that many. It's getting the bag is getting smaller. It is. Uh, uh, and we're taste testing weirdly flavored candy, and we're going to do Brock's Turkey Dinner ap- Apple Pie Coffee. It also has green beans, roasted turkey, cranberry sauce, and stuffing. Yeah. And these are oh, these Jesus. candy corn. What happened? No, I grabbed the bag and I grabbed it from the bottom. Oh, did it almost spill all over the place? Yeah, I would have if I hadn't like curled up the the open end and. Uh, I have. Like I was grabbing my... it. Yeah, I could have had a disaster. I Turkey have an open... dinner all over my studio. Yeah, because these are these, by the way, are candy corn. So they're little little niblet candy corns. Yes, I have um. pulled out each flavor. Oh, you have. Okay, or you've done some prep. I haven't. Yes, because well, I saw know... that they were four flavors. So I was like, okay. Okay. Because I've got yeah. It says green beans, roasted turkey, cranberry sauce, and stuffing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, all right. Well, we'll taste that a little bit later yeah. on. Yeah. I'm not sure what is what, but we'll find out. We will definitely find <laughs> out. And it's Brock's and it's candy corn. And again, you and I have established early on that you and I both enjoy candy corn. We are, we are. Yeah, I like candy corn. Me too. It gets a bum rap and I'm not sure why. Yeah. I also enjoy like the, I don't know if it's the same process, but I feel like it kind of has the similar flavors. 
is the Tootsie Roll fruit flavored Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, I guess I haven't experienced enough of those to have an opinion. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I will say that you don't really see them in stores unless it's um, Halloween. Mm, Okay. I don't know why they don't sell them all. I mean, they probably do. I just don't notice. By the way, you know I live across the street from a Walgreens, Esmeralda. Yes. And um, I, I just want you to know this, that at the Walgreens across the street from me, the candy aisle mm-hmm. is always, there's always ridiculous sales in the candy aisle, especially if you have a Walgreens card. And I have a Walgreens card. Mm-hmm. You can get like bags of candy for like two for six bucks. And I'm talking See, like but two. But do I want bags of candy in I my house know. i do i they're in my i have bags of candy in my fridge right now i have two bags of i have two bags of hugs in mm. my fridge which are the See, best i couldn't i couldn't do it because they would be gone they'd be gone <laughs> i'm not saying i don't chow down on them regularly but they wouldn't so. be there like the fact that you have them I'm amazed because I would have just scarfed them down <laughs> the day didn't... I got them. <laughs> All right. Well, so uh, we'll get to the uh, to the turkey dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, Brock's candies coming up later. Um, do you have any? What are some of your favorite characters? Just in in any sort of form. Do you have favorite TV characters or book book characters or movie characters? Do, do any stand out at you as your favorite sort of characters ever? So my favorite, um, my favorite character in terms, we're going to go with cartoon, because this is okay. the first one that I thought of when I um, was thinking of what, of this topic, uh, the monster from Looney Tunes. Oh man, please. Why? What, okay, especially what is it? when he's interacting with uh, bugs in the, I forget what episode it is, Yeah. Um, but they're in the big, they're in a house. I think like. Bugs' uncle dies or something and leaves him the house, but he has to stay there overnight. And then the monster is there, and then he's trying to get away from it and doing whatever, where he does the I own a salon, let me do your hair and yeah, nails. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's just, like, talking to the monster. He's like, you're such an interesting monster. Like, <laughs> those are some of my favorite. Well, the monster, and for people who might not remember, the monster's a big, hairy, red-like yes. monster. With, like, little, for- he's got... He's got like skinny arms, right? And but he's like a yeah. big like the body is big and very furry and red. And I think he has a name. I don't know. I remember when the Looney Tunes came out with that Seinfeld esque <laughs> Looney Tunes show. They he had a name there. Okay. Um but well, I and, don't know. And, 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 okay. If it's... And he he was a recurring character in some of those other shorts. Um that he was and didn't he like put on disguises? Gossamer, Gossamer was his name? Gossamer, by the way. That's a pretty cool name. Um, then didn't he also like he okay so he was a hairdresser at one point um, or well no 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 bugs was bug and was and he was putting bugs, curlers in in in, yes. uh, in his hair okay and doing right. his nails gotcha okay because <laughs> that's what bugs does man and bugs loves exactly. to be in, bugs love to be in drag man he loved being in drag <laughs> and i i always used to love the fact that when bugs was in drag everybody thought he was hot elmer thought he was hot whoever he was like right? mess, whoever he was messing with they thought, like, man, Bugs in drag is a babe. You know what I mean? Just breaking the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> so the big, so the monster, uh, I'm sorry, what's his name again? Gossamer. Gossamer. Okay, so Gossamer in the Looney Tunes is one of your favorites. Okay. I enjoyed him. Okay. I have a favorite cartoon character. Who's um, that? 
Ren Hoke uh, from Ren and Stimpy. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite character ever. Yes. Um, and he I, just, I lean more Stimpy. I, I love I, like. <laughs> there's something about Stimpy. Well, he's just so he is. <laughs> he's just so stupid and lovable. And he's yeah, but he like of, means well. He does. He's an idiot. <laughs> he's a, he, well. He's he's an idiot. He's not only an idiot. He's a fat, bloated idiot. But mm. but he's like he means well. You know, I love them both. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love yeah. Ren and Stimpy is one of my. I, I think one of the greatest things that's ever been created in the in the twentieth century. I think it's one of the great most important works of art of the twentieth century. Are the are the Ren and Stimpy shorts? I love them. Um, but for some reason, Ren kind of is more suited to my personality. Like I just yeah. Ren, I can see that. Yeah, Ren, Ren is kind of my spirit animal. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, do you have any other? Let's see, favorite characters like TV characters? Anybody? Uh... Um, so TV. Oh, Maud. Please, <laughs> please. I love Maud. I don't. I don't blame you. I don't blame you, man. You can imagine, you know, like well, I'm older than you, obviously, and I mm. was I was a kid when it when Maud was on in first run, and I remember vividly the impact that that character and that woman, uh, and the connection to All in the Family, all that stuff in the '70s when Norman Lear was doing all those shows that were suddenly TV wasn't shitty anymore and it was socially mm-hmm. conscious, and uh, Maud was a groundbreaking character, man, saying stuff that no woman had ever and then said. There's Maud, absolutely, Maud. so yeah. good. Yeah. She and was the always great. great. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. What about you? Uh, TV-wise? Yeah, I feel like that might I'm, be too many to... <laughs> there are, because I'm a, I'm, I'm a total loser, and I watch... Like, it's all I, your children. Well, you can't pick just one. I, the first one that pops into my head is Ralph Cramden from uh, The Honeymooners. Okay. Um, I love him, and I love Ed Norton, too. I mean, Well, and I love Alice, and I love Trixie. I love everybody on that. <laughs> but I got to go. Ralph Cramden was one of those, you know, big... Loudmouth, but always was trying to do good for him and mm-hmm. for Alice. He was always trying to make a better life for them. You know what I mean? Even though he was yeah. a big, he was a big blowhard. He yelled at her, and, and a lot of yeah, people. I was gonna are, say, even though he threatened, threatened her to punch violence. her in the face and stuff, and you know, you know, I know um, you know, he threatened to you know, bang, zoom, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are yeah, offended by that now. And I just, I'm like, look, come on, it's, it's so. But always at the end, it was always like, baby. Yeah, the greatest. No matter what happened, they would kiss at the end. And there's just that weird, you know, romanticism of the honeymooners that I love. So Ralph Cramden is up there. Um, geez, I'm trying to. <clears throat> um, I I love Felicity. Mm-hmm. Um, that she's one of my favorite. Car- oh wait a minute. Oh wait, hold on a second now. Wait, she just heard me. Yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, I and I love Nick's show. I know. Yeah, that's so- great, Carrie. But there are a lot of uh, characters. I, I, I'm a big fan of Mulder on um, X-Files. Um, one of my yeah. favorites. Um, yeah, he's um, since trying to watch the X-Files series. Um, yeah, I enjoy Mulder. I didn't realize how like silly. Oh, and, like, yeah. The, just the humor, the dry humor, whatever that like he puts into it. Oh, he's good. It's good. He's, I like it. it. That show is really funny. It's creepy and awesome. And and, and I loved it. I was one of those dorks that was uh, in the 90s. You couldn't even pry me away from the TV when the X-Files <laughs> was on. Um, but yeah, no, that show is surprisingly hilarious. Like, like really surprisingly funny. Um, I, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, as far as like on Seinfeld... Um, I guess Elaine is my favorite character. Or no, George is. George is my favorite character. Ugh. And I think it's because he's so despicable. 
Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. the biggest. He, they're all selfish assholes on that show. Right. But he but somehow he is, makes it like at least <laughs> yeah. he makes it creepy. He does. He goes beyond. Yeah. George goes beyond because it's based on Larry David. You know what I mean? Like that character is. Oh, Larry great. David. And oh, did you not know that? <laughs> no. Oh, you didn't know that? No, no, no. That is Larry David. George uh, Costanza. In my head, I'm like, oh, good to know. <laughs> no, that's Larry David. I mean, he'll good be the first to admit. If I ever meet Larry David, if you if you if you ever see interviews with Jason Alexander, Jason Alexander is like I'm basically just playing Larry David. Ew. I mean, you've seen Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? Yeah, but like that's that doesn't seem no, that's him. See, but from George. I don't know why, because I like when I watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Half the time, I'm kind of like I agree with you sir yeah yeah i <laughs> yeah like with okay. george yeah he doesn't seem yeah larry the larry david from curb your enthusiasm doesn't seem as creepy like a creepazoid like 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 uh, how about like you, do you think that in real life larry david if he were engaged and his fiance died that two hours later he'd be on the phone trying to make a date with marissa tomei do you think that that? I, I don't think because like, that's what George well, does. Well, the curb, the curb, Larry, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But that I remember just being. I, but I don't know the man, so. I, I remember being astonished when I first saw that episode where Susan died, mm-hmm. and they're all like, oh, "Let's go get some coffee." Like she's dead. <laughs> she's dead. I mean, the fact that you. I mean, if you <laughs> like her, like I could understand that from the other three. Yeah, because like I mean, I probably would be the same where I'd be like, "Oh, that's sad." Yeah, mm, let's go get some coffee. Terrible. And then George is like, oh, "Let's let's go get some coffee." And but the thing is, what people forget is that you know, like that's the end. Then the credits come on, but people forget that it goes even further because the postscript, the post credit scene at the very end, mm. is George calling Marissa Tomei for a date. <laughs> See, that's where I'm like, she's not even she's not even in the ground. Oh, she's still at the her body is still at the hospital. They have like, the- yeah, her body is not even cold yet, still warm, and this man is over here. <laughs> See, and then Marissa that's where I'm like, Marissa, really? Oh, well, she Although, hangs up he... on him. No, 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 no. They don't go oh, out okay. on a date. He, there's a fantasy scene where he he, he dates Marissa Tomei because oh, okay. there's a part in the show when, when there's an episode where like he finds out that Marissa Tomei uh, would be interested in him, likes him, mm-hmm. but she's but he's engaged to Susan. And right. so, like, three episodes away from that, or four episodes down the line, Susan, they kill off Susan, so he calls up Marissa Tomei 15 but minutes But she after. knows, she knows that he was engaged. Yeah, and, and then, like, dead. and well, then he tells her that, you know, he tells her that, like, uh, I'm not busy, I got, I got to, I, he said something, like, I think, I'm going to paraphrase Esmeralda, but I'm not kidding, I think he says, like, <laughs> he says, like, uh, well, I'm not free uh, after, well, I got the, I got the funeral tomorrow, uh, but I'm free after that. <laughs> And then for them to, for, and then the gall to be on that damn Susan Foundation thing or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's just so uncomfortable. It's just so. That's yeah, exactly. That's where I'm uh, just like, I don't see Larry David. Yeah. Like oh, that's that. it's but, based I mean, on you know him, exaggerations ba- and such. If you ask anybody in that cast, if you ask anybody in the cast, they're like, yeah, George is Larry. Oh. <laughs> Uh, All right. All right. Well, anyway, so are you ready for some interesting facts about some characters? Yes. All right. How about this first one, Esmeralda? Were you aware of this? Tell tell us all about this first one that's on here. 
so yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I mean, I didn't think he was bald, bald. But uh, Charlie Brown is not bald. Uh huh. I mean, well, he's got that little thing of hair up there. Yeah. I mean, I always. But it, but it says here when asked about the celebrated character's signature quaff, um, uh, Charles Schultz said that he has hair, but it's so blonde that it's not seen very clearly. Okay, Charles Schultz. I don't. But he looks he looks bald with a little curly piece of hair. That little on his kid head. is bald. <laughs> Charles Schultz is just trying to be nice. Like no no no, it's just so blonde <laughs> you can't see it. It's right. like okay, because no, you don't want to draw it. Like what? <laughs> Yeah, no, he's bald. The dude's bald. Did you run out of blonde <laughs> color, like yellow color? I don't know what. Well, wait a minute. There are blonde peanuts. There are blonde kids in the peanuts uh, strip. Right, and they have full heads of hair. They have full heads of blonde like big, hair. Thick heads of yeah. hair. Yeah. Um, you, do you have no, a favorite? Kid is bald. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite peanuts character? Um, I, I like the one who carries around a blanket. That's Linus. Yeah. Yeah, Linus. But really just because he's like it's cute. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean I've never my... really been a peanuts. Oh, we, man. we we were never really a peanuts <sighs> house and then yeah. we're further down further down this list. There a Calvin and Hobbes home. Oh, well tell me about that. What <laughs> tell, No, no, no. Let's go on because I'm not Okay, this is weird because I'm not a Calvin and Hobbes guy, but I'm a peanuts guy mm-hmm. and you're not a peanuts woman, but you're a Calvin yes. and Hobbes woman. Okay. Yes. So uh, do you also love the scene in Point Break, uh, right before the big, uh, the big uh, foot chase, car chase scene, where uh, the, right before uh, uh, Get Me To the meatball scene, mm. you remember, you know the meatball scene with Gary Busey, yes, where he's like Utah, Get Me To, you know that whole thing, right before he yeah. he says, why don't you go over there? They got the best meatball sandwiches I've ever tasted. Would you get me two? That whole thing. He's reading the comics and he goes, <laughs> this Calvin and Hobbes is funny. That's actually what <laughs> that's, that's actually what Gary Busey says. He's reading he's reading the comics. Oh. <laughs> this Calvin and Hobbes is funny. It's time for lunch. And then he's like, oh, okay. Gary Busey. Uh, Angelo, <laughs> I, I can do the I've done my <laughs> What happened? He says I've done my job for the day. Yeah. He's like, uh, it's time for lunch. Uh, Angelo, it's ten thirty. Right on the corner, you can get me some meatball sandwiches. <laughs> that's <laughs> But he says, yeah, see, so he's done so, his work, right? His Calvin and exactly Hobbes. Right. Now he wants a meatball sandwich. <laughs> and it's 1030 in the morning and they're on a stakeout. <laughs> Go get me a meatball sandwich. Two of them. This Calvin and Hobbes is funny. So um, anyway, all right. What is the fact about Calvin and Hobbes? And then tell me what it is about Calvin and Hobbes that you love so much. Because I dated a girl, Leslie Presley, um, yeah. was obsessed with Calvin and Hobbes. And, I, and she tried to like, she's like, here, look at, look at the book. Read it. And she kept telling me it's funny, it's really funny, and I'd read it, and I'm like, I don't yeah. think it's very. And she's like, "You're an idiot, it's funny." And she kept like insisting for the, you know, we I mean, it might for... be a little more intellectual. Than That's like... probably what the problem is. <laughs> I like my shit base, you know what I mean? Um, but no, what is it? What, well, first of all, what's the fact in this article about Calvin and Hobbes, or Calvin or Hobbes? So it's uh, that Hobbes doesn't magically come to life when Calvin is around, nor is he just a figment of Calvin's imagination, which. I really? don't, well, it, it was always like you you never really knew. Um, you kind of like the that was like what they portrayed. But then, you know, you could always be like, well, maybe it's just a, a whatever. Well, OK, so Bill Watterson explained that like everything else in the world, Calvin sees Hobbes one way and everyone else sees Hobbes another way. 
I show two versions of reality, and each makes complete sense to the participant who sees it. All right, I'm... I just think Cal- I think I've realized now all these years later Calvin Hobbes is just too smart for me. I'm just too yeah. dumb. Yeah, maybe. I think that's good. Oh, you know what? Here's what, here we go. God damn it, Nick. There it is. <laughs> now, yeah, so- we grew up. I grew up with Ho- Calvin and Hobbes. Like my dad, my brother had the books and stuff, and I've actually stolen them from the house, the ones that I didn't have, and I yeah, I've I've uh, collected them here at my yeah. own home. <laughs> People love it, man. So, what is it about Calvin and Hobbes that you like? Because it's and and what's the deal with all the, the stickers that I see on cars with with Calvin pissing? What's the story behind oh, that? I don't. I don't think that's like. I don't know. He's just pissing on something. Cause he's a little because he's a he's very much he's very much a like um, he's a little shit. Yeah. Who's that? Yeah. Who's that? Uh, Dennis. He's a very much Dennis. Oh, Dennis the Menace. The Menace? Okay. All but right. he seems Calvin seems smarter. Okay. Than Dennis. And he seems a little more like a smart ass. Because I always see those, you know, like I, I, I know it's just a bastardization, you know, of somebody yeah. taking Calvin's character and having him piss on stuff. But that's a very popular thing that you see on bumper stickers and on windows of cars and stuff in vans is Calvin smiling and pissing. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> but I Never. feel like he's he's very much Dennis and Menace, but he's smarter. OK, he's smarter than Dennis. And I feel more aware. And, and the what, fact what that is it he, about like, was... can conjure up? He thinks that Hobbes is real is great because he does this entire universe for Hobbes within, you know, in his imagination, I'm assuming, and like for himself too. Like he's the, the little kid's got quite, quite a, an imagination, big old smart ass brain. Okay. <laughs> and is that what it was about it? The imagination on Hobbes? Is that the thing that you really liked? Or, or, or I'm sorry. Yeah, Calvin? it was always just great the, the stories that were that Calvin would weave with Hobbes and just like they'd make up games together and the fact that like he was just an only kid and he yeah. Hobbes was his friend and like see <laughs> Hobbes was quite smart it, and like had a whole personality and if that is what the kid is like thinking about it's amazing I, to you me. know what I, it's amazing to me and you know and my and my ex that Leslie Presley was always insistent that I should read it and she was always like look asshole you're an only child you should love this <laughs> <laughs> and she's, you know, she has a brother, you know, and, and so she's mm-hmm. like, I wish I didn't have a brother and I had Hobbes. And, uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> and so she would be like, you as an only child, how does this not speak to you? And I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. All right. Well, Calvin and Hobbes. This Calvin and Hobbes is funny. When you go, next time you watch Point Break, right before <laughs> yeah. the meatball, right before, Utah, get yeah. me two. This Calvin and Hobbes is funny. Just, <laughs> that's, that's, it's time for lunch. So, um, all right. All right, well, okay, are we ready to taste test uh, some stuff here? Yes. All right, and we'll hold on to more of those. we got a lot more uh, character traits that we can talk about uh, a little bit later on. But let's try this. This is the Brock's. Hold on, I'm going to open mine. All right. Oh, shit. All right. Okay. So I have to get out. Now, you said there are four flavors? Yes. So there is... Green try. beans, roasted turkey, cranberry sauce, and stuffing. All right, so, so green are... beans I can see because it's very—it's just one big old green. Yeah. Candy corn. The ro- the cranberry would be the red. Yes, cranberry okay. is red. Now, now I'm going to get confused on the stuffing and the turkey. Yeah, I think the turkey is so. There is one that is like brown, and then the top half is, is like yellow? a bright, like a beigey yellow. Yeah. And then the and other then one the... is. Dark, dark brown. 
Because there's one that's dark, dark brown. Oh, okay. So that one is probably... That might be... Or maybe that coffee. is Coffee. That's coffee. Because it also says coffee. apple pie and coffee. Yeah, it also says really? apple pie and coffee. Yeah. Oh. Because it says turkey dinner plus apple pie and coffee, and then the top right corner is the other four. You know what I mean? Oh. Wait, so like so the, is there more? Yeah. So I have... Is there more dark, than the four flavors? Yeah. Yeah, so but like to tell? Yeah. Because so I can't... There, I, I have, just see the four. I have, I have like a dark, dark one that is coffee for sure. Okay. And then there, there's an apple pie one that I'm not sure what that is. Right. That's, I don't know. The, maybe it's this I think we'll have to one? taste it. I just poured a few of them out. Let's try, yeah. right, let's try the green one first, okay? Okay. Green beans. Here we go. Green beans. No? Not really. I don't got, yeah. It just tastes like candy corn. It's like candy corn, yeah. I guess there's a little green bean essence in there maybe yeah a little bit i guess I love, yeah god i love candy corn i don't give a shit okay. i love it all right what's next let's do the uh well since we know it let's do the red one this would be cranberry right? okay cranberry. cranberry there you go mm, that one okay yeah i've got a fruity that's got a cranberry taste to it yeah i don't like that yeah. okay that's <laughs> cranberry all right well, let's try this one. Oh, let me take a sip of water here which one? Um, let's try the light brown one with okay. the white. Do you have a light brown with like a yes. white top? Yes. Okay, let's try that. See what that is. Is that turkey? I think yeah, that's turkey. turkey. Yep, that's turkey. It tastes like. Yeah, it's turkey. Okay. It tastes like savory, but then like with a mix of like bouillon cube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then the there's a brown one with a yellow top. Mm-hmm. Let's try that. Oh wait, with a yellow top. Wait, is it yellow? There's a brown. I have a very dark brown one with a like. That one. That one was whatever that was. Coffee. Yeah. No, that was the coffee. Is I would imagine the dark brown. Let's try that one. Hold on. Okay. Dark brown. I tried the coffee one because I don't know. What else you're talking? Oh, wait. Okay. I guess that's a different color. Okay, that's I don't coffee. know where the. Okay. Well, I don't. I can tell I you. I don't see them. I can tell you this much. I like um, the coffee one. I think they're all tasty. I gotta tell you, they don't taste a lot like. I mean, they taste like candy corn. <laughs> <clears throat> so, all right. I like the coffee one. I like um, the turkey I'm one. I'm not the biggest fan of the cranberry. Yeah. The turkey like, one is a little. It's just a. I don't. It's like salty, but like stuff, the stuffing one is like okay. I said, I, like bouillon cube. Coffee is the best one. I would go. Yes. Coffee is the best one. Okay. I don't know which one is stuffing. Well, I'm just gonna keep eating them. So there. Nothing I put in. <laughs> nothing I just ate, tasted, gave me stuffing. But. Okay. Well, keep keep trying. All right. Or apple right. pie for that. I matter. got apple pie. It's in there somewhere. Did I tasted you? It. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. So. Oh wait, maybe it's this one. Dig through. All right, as Esmeralda is going on, I'll give you the plugs. Um, you can be a part of the Nick D podcast. Please do. Oh. Voicemail at 773 417 Apparently, that's not good. 
Whatever uh, this is, no, thank you. Not good. You can email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, be a sponsor. Lots and lots of people listen to this podcast. If you want to advertise on it or be a sponsor, contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Uh, thank you to, uh, to Eric um, and to Steve for the movie reviews and to Esmeralda, you rule. And to everybody who is uh, listening and to subscribing and rate and review us on every platform and check out all the other podcasts on radiomisfits.com. And we will talk to you the next time right here on the... Um, RadioMisfits.com on the Nick D Podcast. Thanks, everybody. 